ask about Illuminati Since the charting of Petux Is it Disney Mind Control? Is this MK Ultra Deluxe? Con dos shots para estar Con Disney Se no va a tu chafar Con Disney Pino Land, Pinocchio Con Disney As above, so below Pinocchio seeks fun on Pleasure Island But traffickers need just falling minds Captain Hook the Lost Boy in Neverland Saving kids from Peter Pan's designs Mean of this to survive the Barracuda And that nobody means no one Snow I never took another breath Bird Prince the Angel of Death has come Go Disney We go from real to real Bohemian Grove and no more feel I call Disney Ask about to move and I take I call Disney Teach a call to everybody I call Disney Go wish upon a star I call Disney You know what to just find Disney, the new land Pinocchio, yeah, yeah. I call Disney, it's a fun solo show. I call Disney, please enjoy the show. Three, two, one, go. This is it. It's the Caught Disney podcast. Hi, this is Matt here. Over there is the paranoid American. Wow. How's it going? You know, we're. Today we're, we're going to use Dragon Fire to rip apart the very being of a, of a Disney movie and see what's inside its very particles. We are channeling our dragon energy. That's right. I'm capping off my dragon week. I, I've been watching lots of dragons recently. Got this. Uh, we did Hercules. That had base, I mean, Hydra is a dragon, right? Um, uh, debatable. I, I did the, the Korean film uh, Dragon Wars. Subtitle D War, um, which is a much better movie than than you would expect, by the way. So I'll, I'll actually give a thumbs up to the the goofy Korean film D War. And then uh, what else? Uh, I was watching a Space 1999 episode, Dragon's Domain, which does not have a dragon in it. So <laughs> it a, little a little ripped little, off. What's well, got do like? You a believe in dragons? Space death octopus. Um, do I believe in dragons? Uh, yeah, do you think of a, a fire-breathing flying dragon ever existed in reality? I mean, that'd be that'd be badass, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, if you you go the dinosaur route and just, I mean, not that people were necessarily around for that, uh, depending on who you talk to, but uh, yeah, you could see flying things like that. Here, here's but did they I guess breathe one... fire? Oh, I don't know. We don't know if they breathe fire. I was going to say one thing that probably pertains to China and dragons and, and especially Japan, because uh, today's film is Milan. Um, so they had heard stories of lions and giraffes in Japan, but no one had seen one. So you'll see 
stone carvings of giraffe-like, lion-like things that were like, you know, a game of telephone. Someone told him this, told him this, told him this, and then the artist made the sculpture. So it looks nothing like a lion. It looks nothing like a giraffe. Uh, I'm, that's, I'm wondering if that's one way, you know, dragons could get passed down through uh, a cultural game of telephone. At least they had an excuse. I've seen some medieval paintings of horses, which they clearly had um, access to for reference, but end up not looking anything like a horse. Like whoever ended up painting it never actually saw one in person. Right. But no, I, I want to train my dragon. Yeah. See, it's a difficult question because I'm like, yeah, dragons, badass, rain of fire, turning everything to ash. That's great. Let's do it. Uh, but yeah. How, what, what's your, what's your um, platform on dragons? Uh, I think it's a fun idea. I don't know if they ever existed and I feel like I would have gotten stuck with like a stoner puff the dragon or something like instead of like one of the cool Game of Thrones dragons. You would have gotten Mushu from this movie. Uh, Mushu would have been kind of cool. I mean, I could, I could do with the Mushu. At least he's funny. If you stay with him long enough, he'll start telling you problematic jokes, which are funny. <laughs> right. And I, I just have to ask, <clears throat> and I know how ignorant this sounds, but isn't Mushu like a dish? Like Mushu yes. pork? Mushu pork. Yeah. That's there, there are the, things. Is this the same Mushu we're talking about or a different Mushu? I think they're. I don't know. I may see, maybe I'm ignorant too. So I'm just sitting here. Yeah. I think they're referencing the food. Well, you're closer. So you should know more. Right. Right. But different food in Japan, right? A uh, different name. So you call it like Shalampo or something. <laughs> I, th I think that's what the dumplings are in, in Japan. Shalampo. So yeah. <clears throat> Fried rice turns into uh, Chahan, but that's not what they say in China, I believe. So I, mean, I like, I, Living in Asia, I have more perspective on something like Mulan. But living in Japan, I, I, I also have like a weird disconnect because, you know, I know what it's like in Japan, which is not quite what Mulan is because it's China. If you get dropped in the middle of, of China and like, let's not say Shanghai, like, you know, mid mid rural. Slightly I want to say get Shanghai to Shanghai. No. Yeah. OK. What what uh what are you defaulting to? Are you speaking Japanese? You speak in English? Are you trying to? put together some Chinese that you know? I don't know any Chinese, so it's going to be English. Um, <laughs> Would you they, have better luck gonna... with English than with Japanese? I think you'd have much better luck with English because uh, I've been teaching English for years. That's kind of the international language. Now, in the rural areas, you know, God knows. It's, it's like in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, most people speak English, but uh, out here, not really. <laughs> They might know a few words here and there, but you're not having like a deep conversation in English. So uh, rural China, I bet you're not going to have, you, you probably need to know uh, Mandarin or, you know, Cantonese or something, depending where you are. The thing that would really get me is I can read like some of the symbols, but Chinese is all the Chinese symbols, whereas Japanese has some phonetic symbols that you can cheat with. So I'd, I'd be unable to read almost anything, which is disappointing. Do you know if there was a huge difference in reception of Mulan between China and Japan? Oh, between China and Japan, I can tell you about the Chinese response, which in the, the late the 90s, um, <clears throat> in the late 90s, China, the Chinese government would only allow 10 foreign films to be released in uh, Chinese theaters each year. So Mulan did get in, but they, they're kind of like, hey, they're culturally appropriating us. So they released like 
right after the Chinese New Year. So there'd be a bunch of Chinese films like making box office and Milan kind of just it did open, but it's kind of submerged. Like people didn't notice it in China much. Unless you're and I, I didn't fans. look into the production and and all of like the the suit stuff on this one, but was this made to court China in any way? Or because I assume it was, because otherwise why why derive from uh, this particular story, unless it was to try to court some like Chinese customers? I guess. I think it's kind of a tentative step towards that. I mean, fast forward twenty years and Marvel movies are just like sticking random Chinese characters because, um, uh, you know, they're getting funding from, from those studios and, and Alibaba and, and stuff. So it's, uh, this might have been like a tentative, like nineties globalization thing, uh, in the production of this film though, there, there were people working on it were working on different things. Um, the dynamic between Mulan and, and the captain, for example, I think came from an earlier treatment of something taking place in Scotland with like an English prince or something. So at least story-wise and where these people were coming from making it, it wasn't all Chinese stuff, but uh, yeah, they took a trip, you know, did their research. I, maybe they took a trip to Epcot. I don't know, but. <laughs> they had to pay for their own meals too. I guarantee it. Yeah. To pay for their own meals at Epcot. If, if you, where, where would you eat in the world showcase, but which is your pavilion for america food. man where you talk are you kidding america, america no, probably food. probably germany uh which okay, might not be everyone's first jump but that or actually take that back it's mexico it's mexico every freaking time they've got the best uh like indoor it's like in this big volcano looking thing or it's in the right. cave got the nice little ambiance they got a little river ride yeah yeah mexico every time yeah, yeah, my, my MO when I would go there would be lunch in Mexico and dinner in Morocco. because uh, you gotta get the reservation for that one. I've been to the real Morocco. They certainly didn't uh, very different food there, but Oh, I'm sure Disney Morocco is way better. It's I, I like Disney Morocco. It's pretty good. I mean the American parks I know are notorious for not necessarily having good food, but you know, the world less opium too. Way less opium in the Disney Morocco. That's how that's how they get you coming back. Now there's um there are those foods sometimes when you where you're like, am I addicted to this food? Are they putting something in it? Maybe I'm addicted to MSG. I don't know. But there is a uh, kind of Chinese Chinese Korean fried rice thing that I would just get every week until that place closed. I think they're putting crack in there. <laughs> I mean, if it's if it's good, then I don't think anything should be off limits when it comes to culinary. You know, if if a little bit of crack or a little bit of whatever works, then I think that that should kind of supersede any sort of laws. Just that picks you up a little bit, you know, picks up your day. Although I don't think there's any drugs that really taste good. I can't think of a single drug that tastes good. Hmm, drugs that taste good. I don't think they exist, man. I mean, you can you can put certain drugs into things that taste good and like mask the taste, but I don't know of a single drug that just by itself like straight off just tastes good yeah 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 you, you put lsd on the sugar cube i mean maybe somebody likes the, the taste of marijuana i don't know <laughs> i think you'd have to like trick yourself into it though because if you like the if you like that then you would also just like chomping down on fresh oregano too which i guess isn't bad but it's i don't know i wouldn't consider it tasty it's like you know i go to a bunch of hot springs and stuff and sometimes they're volcanic 
baths and like sometimes they have a sulfur smell. So now if I so smell sulfur, it's almost like, oh yeah, thinking about a hot spring, how nice. Instead of, you know, noticing that it smells like an egg fart. Yeah. <laughs> or just like a Florida lawn watering and just all sulfur. Yeah. But I associate it now with, you know, hot springs. So it's, it's not a bad smell to me anymore. So I'll, I'll be walking with, especially other Americans. They're like, oh my God. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I want to go to a hot spring now. So I, I guess I tricked myself into, I don't know if I'll go to, as far to say like it, but it's, it's more pleasant. I think I feel that way with gasoline. Yeah, I don't. I don't like gas because I got this. I've uh, heard that's garrison. a genetic thing too. That the like the, the people that smell gasoline and enjoy it versus the ones that don't. Outside of huffing, like if you take the huffing part out, just like the right, enjoyment right. of the smell itself is kind of like a genetic thing, almost like uh, like a like asparagus and pee. Like I hate the smell of freshly cut grass, and I understand a lot of people like it. So, well, that's probably just childhood trauma. Well, also, it just clogs up my nose, so it make, gives me a little sinus headache, so I don't like it, and yeah. But I, I, they, they, my, I get paid a full dollar for, for uh, mowing the grass when I was a kid. One crisp, shiny dollar. With Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> Trying to make myself sound old. <laughs> we got wooden nickels back in my day. Um, you said you, were, you watched Milan twice and prepped for this. H had you watched it before? I watched it one other time previously when uh, the the movie came out, and I fell asleep during the movie. But then I rewatched the cartoon back then. I don't know how long ago that was, but yeah. So so that was the only time I had ever actually seen it. At this point, I was completely uh, sort of a big boy, and I didn't I didn't watch Disney movies for babies. So that's that's where I was at at this point. And I was I mean I was out skateboarding and causing trouble and maybe getting arrested at this point. Yeah, this so I wasn't first... in my Mulan phase. This is my first year of university when it came out. I don't even remember if I went to see it or not. So I'm going to guess probably not. Um, so I, it's another one where I like don't remember when I first saw it. It might have been like 10 years later when I was just catching up on a few of the ones that I had never seen. And I know I watched this one with my daughter once because we, we got the, the, the Blu-ray here with the with the Japanese on it to be extra confusing. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but it wasn't one of those ones where, that you wanted to see over and over. So I've only seen it maybe like two or three times total. Okay. So it wasn't a hit even with your daughter. No, it wasn't a hit with my daughter. I don't think it's bad at all. I mean, it's a, it's a fine movie. Uh, you know, I did, I didn't fall asleep uh, this time. So that's good. But yeah, it's, you know, I liked it. Kids. Yeah. I with little kids, you just don't know what's going to attract and what doesn't like, she never took to the Muppets, which was kind of sad for me. <laughs> <laughs> you were really hoping for that one? I was hoping for the Muppets, yeah. Uh, got, this, I, I mean, I think part of it is that it lacks a little bit of that ADHD dopamine nonstop triggering with like flashing bright colors and um, like the, the big audacious songs. This one was a little bit more low-key, and it also felt very cinematic in a way that some of the other ones kind of didn't um especially with just like the slower camera movement and sort of like more just traditional cinematic uh techniques that i don't remember seeing in some of the earlier films yeah i'd say especially for the captain and milan they're probably characterized a lot better than characters are in previous disney movies like 
there's a little more to the script here, uh, just character-wise. So that, that's kind of nice. Because, again, we go back to Cinderella, where she's basically like a cipher, you know? Yeah, these are like vastly different movies, clearly. And this one, I think that they continue to show sort of like a mastery over 3D at this point. Because there's, like, it's being woven in now to a certain point where like it's hard to tell the different elements apart even in the previous movie in, in hunchback right there was like one or two scenes where you could really tell where 3d was being superimposed with the 2d and vice versa and on this one uh maybe it was just like really good art direction but it had such a cohesive look to it and it also just like the overall shading it was simpler but more confident in a way that like artistically it just came across a lot better uh, yeah, they had created a new 3D engine called Attila uh, for for the scenes with the arrows and the horses and stuff. Appropriate. Which, yeah. <laughs> this is actually, um, this is a Florida movie. There uh, Apparently three mainline Disney features were created at the at the time of the Disney MGM studio, which you very well know. Uh, but this is the first of those three. So, like, I, well, I like and, the look of the I movie. I like the designs. There were some elements of Lion King, I think, that happened in Orlando, too, because there was a lot of Orlando-based artists when I was at Disney that happened to have worked on The Lion King, and I don't think that any of them um, had gone out to Burbank. Oh, yeah, they had used the Florida studio for elements in previous movies, but Milan, like, the main thrust of the production was in Florida. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even, actually didn't even know that. <laughs> and, uh, sorry, I don't know what the other two are. Uh, I think... Home Maybe the Emperor's New Groove, and I'm pretty sure that's one. Uh, that I think I, feel I think like you're I, right on Emperor's New Groove because we had posters of that all over the place. All, all of that stuff predated by the time I got in when I started working at Disney in like 2003, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure almost all of that tax money had left the state, and we weren't attracting anyone new. Like it, like the the dream had slowly been dying at that point. I think the last big ones were some universal studios and like double dare um sort of things that they were trying to turn into game shows and then yeah that the the state was not friendly enough to hollywood so everyone left went to georgia that's right is that dream over now is it's funny because like two kilometers from my parents house is where they you know film green screened half of the recent marvel movies but uh, i feel like the the tax breaks are, are lesser now i see less movies being filmed there it seems yeah, and and also all of the stages that they had originally built have since been converted into like actual rides and attractions and you know various things. So I don't think, at least in Orlando, they aren't set up. Although that that said, if they had some kind of a politician that got in, decided to start writing out tax credits, which we haven't had in like two decades now, if that were to happen, they just start sprouting up studios left and right, like. There was no business but well that's exactly uh, what happened in atlanta you know so <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know how feasible it is uh and florida hasn't been threatened politically it's they're almost like we don't need hollywood here like it's almost a bigger political hit than it would be an economic boost that translates into a political boost oh yeah yeah it's it's disney and the florida state government at the moment are just headbutting like you know wild rams or something <laughs> Um, so watching this again, I thought all the designs were good, but I actually looked halfway through the movie to see if there was a weird production quirk on this. Cause I was like, some of it 
some of the movement stuff didn't look as spit and polish to me, which might be because it was now a new studio primarily taking charge. I mean, yeah, they gotten work before, but like, like not even like in a bad way, just like, you know, the, how you repeat something enough and it just looks smooth. Like they hadn't repeated it enough yet for Milan. Or I'm I probably overlooked a lot of it because the simpler aesthetic of like the overall um, characters, like for example, there's a lot more single tone shading for the characters um, as opposed to earlier movies when they were like really trying to boost it with shading and highlights and kind of give it um, a bit more of like a 3D or or sort of like a like a deeper look. This one, it, it was almost like they decided um thematically to just make everything a little bit more simpler and not add so much shading and highlights and i think that that ends up making you forgive any of like maybe the missed frames maybe they didn't do as great in the tweening and stuff but i think it all kind of melded together better than if they had tried to be ultra detailed with the coloring that it might have been because the hunchback was extremely shaded so that might and having watched it back to back with this that might be part of it and I um, think that the hunchback that was extremely shaded because they were trying to keep up with the 3D because if you, like the 3D scenes were over the top shaded because they almost had like a ray tracing or something going on. Um, so maybe they were trying to match that. And in this one, maybe their new 3D technology, they were able to scale that back. I don't know. We're, we're just guessing at this point. Yeah, no, my, my notes here are just like once the battle starts, oh, I guess they spent all their money on arrow animation and fireworks and horses which may be true to a certain extent anyway. So, cause all that stuff does look very cool. Like even with 25 years, uh, more technology under, under the belts of the animation industry. Yeah. Look, it looked great. I'm surprised that it doesn't have a little bit more staying power, but I also kind of get it. Cause I mean, after having watched it twice, uh, like my list of notes was still a little bit meek. Uh, it was, it was still a little bit, lacking even though like the movie was solid maybe that's a, a good thing for the movie but not not as great for uh keeping it relevant for generations yeah so it's like the characterizations were quite good but the story was relatively simple uh it's a little shorter than the last two we watched which you know is kind of nice for for people that are time managing their time for lots of podcasts but <laughs> i mean you can just watch things at like two or two or three speed at this point you can oh. well, actually, you know, when when I do have it on Blu-ray, gotta gotta watch it at a normal speed. I, I actually have had once or twice when I was pressed for time and ended up downloading it, even though I had like the disc right next to me, just so I could <laughs> yeah. compress time a bit. You know, I mean, sometimes the the pirated versions have more benefits than any retail version possible. I just I wish there was a way that you could just straight up pay money and then download like an MKV file or something and just have it, but that's we haven't evolved to that point yet. I believe it's called a backup at that point anyway. Uh, yeah, but you're doing it yourself, right? Like, how come there's <clears> not, like, the official MKV? Like, I would definitely be on board. Anyways, well, that, that's a separate topic for another Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one of the reasons, too, why this movie is somewhat short, and I guess um, also they were leveraging stories from other sort of cultures that you mentioned before that her Mulan's relationship with her captain was probably lifted from, like, some Europe european you know tale and that's because the original ballad of mulan was a fairly short poem and it didn't really get into a whole lot of detail 
Um, I can I can paraphrase it first and then read some of it. But the paraphrase version is really simple. It's like a bunch of people were fighting, or, or you know, same story as the movie. Mulan finds out that her father is going to get conscripted into a war. She takes his place. They fight for twelve years, and then when they go and have a meal, she's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm a chick," and they're all like, "What? No way!" That's kind of the whole poem. Like it doesn't doesn't get into Mushu and spear animals or any of that, obviously. Or, or like summoning on her ancestors. It's kind of just very straightforward. Yeah. Um, something that they almost changed though, which it's probably good they didn't. She she goes to take her father's place at war and uh being Disney for a moment, they're like, Oh, she's got the hots for the captain and pretends to be a boy and runs off to the army because she likes the captain, which does sound more like a Disney story, but it's like you don't change that. There's no reason to do that. And ironically, if they had done that, it would have changed a part of the, I don't know, like underlying subtext that people have maybe added to this movie where Mulan is maybe lesbian or she might be like some sort of uh, complete female empowerment uh, icon. Or at least she's been retconned into that in, in so many ways, I think. And that would have destroyed all that. That would have flipped that on its head because then she just turns into, you know, some chick chasing a guy. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. This one, possibly because they're already trying to use some a different culture in this case. It's like, it doesn't have some of the tropes. Uh, are both parents there? Uh, dad's old, but he's there. I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't get the impression that mom was. No, mom, mom was there. Yeah, she's got a full family that uh, doesn't die during the course of the movie. You're, at, you're absolutely correct. I almost feel like this one gets a pass because it happens in China and it, it's not taking place in like this Germanic version of every other story that we've kind of seen so far. And it also has been, I guess, touched the least in terms of Disney getting his sticky little mouse fingers and, you know, changing things around. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, most of the movies we've seen is sort of the hero's journey or something, you know, the Joseph Campbell thing, whereas... Um, well, she definitely one, has hero's journey. She, def like, she, she definitely goes through all the phases. She has it, but the, the like you said, the Western or the Germanic version is very, you do the hero's journey very much as an individualist, whereas uh, East Asian culture is more about, like, you know, fitting in with your family, fitting in with societal groups, uh, the Japanese expressions, you know, the, the nail that sticks up will get hammered down. I like that one. I actually, I use that one frequently. Yeah. So the whole idea is in a Eastern story, no, Milan shouldn't just run off and be like an individualist. So here she's doing it for her family, which, but that is kind of at odds with uh, a lot of the, the Disney proxies as we've seen it up to now. It is. This this one flips it on its head. It does have her communing with nature because she talks to a cricket, uh, even if you don't consider Mushu as being an animal because he's like a like a spirit entity dragon. But she does talk to a cricket uh, and they have two way communication. So that part of it stands out. And then there's there was another thread in this one that I was just reading of like a very academic breakdown of the gender roles in this movie and like all this debate around it. And this was, I was interesting enough to take note of is that some people cite this as one of the first like non damsel in distress Disney movies and that uh, it's very like pro women. But then there was a whole other thread on why 
traditional people that look at traditional relationships and even like a patriarchal society also see this movie as good because ultimately it's a female putting it all at risk to protect a male uh to protect the patriarch of the family like she's actually sacrificing herself to protect you know the patriarch so it, it kind of pleases everyone for all reasons yeah that was kind of in the writing that was kind of the um argument for not changing it in the end just and <laughs> made so much more sense the way that it's on screen and that it is in the original story so um i was looking oh just on the cricket apparently nobody wanted the cricket uh roy e disney no excuse me roy e. disney suggested mushu Veteran story artist Joe Grant created the cricket character, Cricky, though animator Barry Temple admitted the directors didn't want him in the movie. The story department did not want him in the movie. The only people who truly wanted him in the movie were Michael Eisner and myself because I was assigned the character. <laughs> so Eisner liked the cricket, and that's why the cricket's there. <laughs> I get that because the cricket doesn't really serve a, a great purpose. I think they put him in like one or two key moments. And other than that, there's no real need for it. They totally should have uh, Jiminy cricketed that character. So it would have been more of, you know, like a more of a Jiminy cricket thing. Uh, it would have been cool as an inside nod, I think. Well, that bit I was reading goes on a little more where he's saying we're in story meetings. I'd be like, well, so where's the cricket at this point? And everyone's like face palming, you know, <laughs> like, dude, like God, for the love of God, can we forget the cricket already? <laughs> I've been in those meetings. They're fun. Oh, when, yeah. you, when you know someone's got like a very specific like passion part of it and like they're just not letting go of that because it's their one thing. So when the movie comes out, they can tell everyone like I did that. That that was my idea. You know what I mean? A lot of people go into those meetings with those like little things. I guess the secondary animal companion role is, is always a uh, kind of thankless one in, in Disney movies. Uh, I mean, I that, that should have been the sacrifice. They should have sacrificed the cricket at some point. There you go. Yeah, we've got Rapunzel's uh, I, I, gecko or iguana, which I mentioned. I guess Flounder is the most successful one because people at least remember Flounder. So And Sebastian. <laughs> Well, yeah, Sebastian's like, it was, like point point animal companion. So Flounder's kind of like, you know, second position. Well, yeah, I guess in, in uh, sort of popularity, but I think in the mo in terms of the movie, isn't Flounder the the number one friend because he's around the most? And yeah, Sebastian actually. is almost like like a wise old man archetype more than a sidekick to her. That might be, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking popularity. So no, you know, nobody cares about the cricket. People Get your remember Disney Jungian archetypes in order, my friend. <laughs> but people, people remember Eddie Murphy as a dragon. You know, when, it, when that's yeah. what I think of when people say Milan. Oh, that's Eddie Murphy as a dragon, right? Before he he's proto donkey, basically. Yeah, he they should have kept them on and never let him do donkey because he turned he completely transforms into donkey after this. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is—I mean, this is halfway there. Although I have not watched Shrek in some time, so uh, I cannot parse out the 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 smaller differences between Mushu and uh, Donkey. I, I guess you know Mushu has more dragon powers, but bad dragon powers. He's a good puppeteer. So I, I got um, some of the. Ing I'm not going to read the entire thing because it's it's not that long, but it's long enough that you you would get sick of just hearing me read it. Uh, but the very beginning of the original Mulan, um, the first, you know, four stanzas, sound of creaking, Mulan sits in the doorway of her loom, 
When the loom grows silent, we can only hear the sound of her sighs. Girl, who are you thinking about? Girl, who do you long for? And then she says, there's only one man I think about. There's only one man I long for. Sounds like a, like a Disney romance movie already. But last night I saw the conscription notice. The con is issuing a great draft. A dozen volumes of battle rolls, each one with my father's name. My father has no son to take his place. I, Mulan, have no elder brother. So she basically just talks about, like, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to go into battle. So it just talks about all the, the battle and um, they go to all these places. And then they finally get together after 12 years of fighting together, Mulan and her, and her homies. And she says, I take off my military robes and put on my old clothes. I sit in front of the window and comb my hair. I go outside to see my comrades. They're all shocked. We traveled together for 12 years, but we never suspected that you were a woman. And then this is the final line. Most people tell the gender of a rabbit by its movement. The male runs quickly while the female often keeps her eyes shut. But when two rabbits run side by side, can you really discern if I am a he or a she? And that's that's the whole story. I mean, I cut out just a whole bunch of begat, begat, begats and, you know, <laughs> uh, fighting here and there. But essentially, that's all Disney had to work with was that a girl's father gets conscripted to go to war. She goes to war. And then after 12 years, she lets everyone know that she was around, that she was a girl. And they're like, whoa, there you go. There, There is a... Again, and he's, I'm, I'm speaking from Japan and not from China, but there is kind of a uh, a bigger gray area, I guess, between genders. I've been on a train sometimes, and there's someone sitting across from me, and I cannot tell if it's a man or a woman because men can look a little more, I guess, metrosexual is what the term they used 20 years ago. I remember South Park running with that one, um, you know, and and sometimes you know, women will get a short haircuts and start wearing plaid shirts and you know it's, it's it, but it's not like it is in the west like it's a statement or anything you know so it, it is literally like i'm looking at a person across from like i really can't tell if that's a man or a woman are there concepts of pronouns in japan there's one pronoun <laughs> everyone is san so there's so. no there's no like uh i guess conflicts over no, the whole there's like no the conflicts in the west yeah because if you see someone's name like uh my wife's family name's koyama if you see koyama-san you have no way to know if, unless they put the given name as well you have no idea of knowing if that's a man or a woman or anything in between maybe we should just stop that maybe everyone's just son maybe wu-tang had it right all the time yo what's up son Hey, maybe that's one thing that the communists had right. It was everyone's comrade now. You know, there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no genders. It's not a bad. You're not going to hear me agreeing with that, you dirty commie. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it did. And it's it's weird. Uh, I think again, this is Japan, not China. I just have to keep throwing that out because I really don't know much about China. Um, Japanese does they do tend to have a weird racism against China, so. Is that two-way? Yeah, yeah, it's to a certain respect. I mean, there's obviously, it's not like everyone, but, you know, there's been incidents in the past 10 years where um, there were, like, riots at, like, Japanese department stores in China or something. When Do you some, know you what know, any of the stereotypes are for either side? Um, 
I mean, there's just kind of a, a distaste. There's also a weird fascination. That's the thing, because the Japanese uses Chinese characters, uh, elements of religion, things were passed over from China. So old China's cool. Um, I, I think now it's kind of like the stereotype is just obnoxious tourists. <laughs> the Chinese are obnoxious tourists? Yeah, yeah. And what's the stereotype for Japanese? Do you have any idea what that is? Oh, in China? I have no clue. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what do Russians think of Americans these days, you know? And I don't really know. <laughs> so uh, it, it is, it's a thing where, yeah, it would be worth going to visit. Then again, I have high schoolers that are very obsessed with um, China. Uh, Japan, it's weird. The Japanese and Korean governments are always at loggerheads. I mean, the South Korean government, not, not just North. But uh, Japan is obsessed with Korean culture. Everybody wants to watch Korean dramas and, you know, listen to K-pop and stuff. So really? So, so K-pop is bigger than J-pop. Uh, I'd say it's about on an even keel now. Yeah. Like I have students that really like, yeah, I don't really like the music here. I like the K-pop. Um, personally, I'm a snob and I think it's all crap, but whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't tell that You're to the wrong. student. <laughs> yeah. That, that, see, that's, living in outside of America for a long time because Americans are oh, you're listening to that crap. What's wrong with you? Whereas uh, living in Japan, you're just like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. They're happy with their K-pop. Why would I bother? You know, <laughs> have might be there getting... been any Japanese specific Disney movies. I was, I was thinking of that. Um, I mean, I think Ghibli sort of like corners that market. So, and they just, you know, distribute their films. We will be doing a few. Uh, Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke are both on our list. So, right, but no like traditional Western Disney animations that take place in Japan. Yeah, who did the uh, stop motion animation? I, I don't think that was Disney. Uh, about ten years ago. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? The stop motion animation. I it was a Canadian or American production, but was done with Japanese aesthetics. Someone's okay, screaming. No, no, I'm not familiar with this. this. Yeah. Uh, may maybe when and you're on a rant, I'll see if I can find the name. Because it is a very good movie. Uh, we did watch that several times, but I haven't seen it recently. So, but well, yeah, so yeah. Like well, this, this particular Mulan, I think... Uh, I got. I want to just talk about some of the the things that they say that they probably wouldn't be able to say again now, um, and not in like a woke way, but just in I don't know. Like I don't think they. I assume some of these lines might not have flown very well even in China when this was released. Uh, but there's a lot of references to. Um, I guess she goes to see her ancestors. And they're all talking about how everyone becomes an acupuncturist, which I think is like that Jewish joke about how everyone else's kid is like a doctor. Uh, but they're all they're all saying this to Mulan. And then somebody almost like in a background voice is like, well, we never thought that, you know, your great great granddaughter was going to be a cross dresser. And then there's like a record uh, scratch kind of moment, like not literal one, but the music kind of stops and they like they pause for a beat there. So there's like this whole underlying tone of of sort of ostracizing and making fun of Mulan for sort of the social awkwardness of pretending to be a different gender, which completely has been changed in the last 20 years. But it's weird seeing 
how that is sort of like the butt of the joke in a few different places here. Oh, it, uh, it, it gives me nostalgia in a weird way. Uh, your, your, your rant was long enough. I do have the movie I was talking about. It's 2016 uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. It's an American production that is all Japanese iconic you know, images and stuff. And it's quite a good movie, but yeah, it, it looks like a Leica is a production company, and then Universal distributed it. So it's not a Disney. So I, I think Disney just kind of so like no, so no Disney Japanese movies so far. If we don't count Ghibli, 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 is this like Ghibli. a gift? Gif? Ghibli? Ghibli, Ghibli, yeah. So it's, yeah, they kind of I, I don't know when Miyazaki just you, you can't really. It's kind of a high bar to approach. <laughs> Well, I, I wonder would Japan even accept like a traditional Disney movie with a Japanese princess? Is well, Disney was... even capable of moving of of making their own traditional Disney movies anymore? I don't even know if it exists. Well, about twenty years ago, there was um, Kubo. Uh, Kubo. Sorry, my brain's breaking here. There was Memories of a Geisha, which was con a no, it's controversial in America because they had cast. Chinese actors in Japanese roles. And in Japan, nobody really cared. That's what happened. <laughs> We're that's kind of one of our our biggest exports now is concern for other cultures that don't care uh as much themselves. Like we're really good at exporting that. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's actually an American controversy. And yeah, they, they actually did okay in the Japanese box office. <laughs> they liked it. <laughs> so that there's there's that. Um they're just not progressive enough over there to know what's good for them. Mm, that must be it. I'm just having a squiz at Mon Notes here. Oh yeah, the music that I, that 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 was mostly a drop ball, I think, in this movie. <laughs> so I guess I'm not a big fan of musicals. So I was happy at how short and just you know non-plus all of the songs were it was just like let's keep the movie going and i guess that's part of the reason why it felt cinematic to me is because there wasn't this like i don't know over the top reason to just keep shoehorning in another song over and over again yeah and coming out of it the only thing i remember is in the navy which was not in the movie so <laughs> well that's weird i don't know where that one came from because they were singing that what uh, I'm a man song or whatever, and and I was like, why don't they just do it in the Navy? And then I forgot what the one in Milan sound like. So I gotta say, one one of the songs in this movie was surprisingly deep. Like the lyrics themselves were incredibly complex, and I I'm just gonna have to paraphrase the chorus, but it was something like, um, "When will I see myself in the mirror?" Or like, "How come when I look in the mirror?" Uh, it isn't me. Some, some. I'm sure the name of the song explains the the whole entire premise. I'm gonna but, guess that is Reflection, which is credited with starting the career of Christina Aguilera, who recorded the pop version. Really? Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, the the song that I guess got Christina Aguilera started that was a like a a very good song. Like, um, I'm I'm saying musically, but the the lyrics for it. Oh yeah, help musically. It's my favorite song now. I've been listening to on repeat the cats <laughs> out of the bag. But the lyrics themselves, I don't know, like I could see someone offing themselves uh after listening to that a few times. <laughs> but the mash theme song. It it made it to her first um oh yeah. <laughs> um it made it to her first album, apparently. So 
It was and then, good enough so, for that. Okay, so it wasn't Genie in the Bottle and Aladdin. Okay. I always get that mixed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's too much of a time stretch. Uh, apparently, 99 was her actual breakout year. So I, She wasn't quite done in the MK Ultra oven at that point. Yeah, I, I've never been much of an Aguilera follower, so I don't... And yeah, the Mickey Mouse Club of the 90s is a pretty large can of worms you could open up. <laughs> I, I did get... We got a message a few weeks ago. My, my daughter found out on my wife's phone that said, you are in the top 2% of Megan Trainer listeners. So we, we all thought that was funny. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulate my wife. I... Haven't been listening to much Megan Trainer, <laughs> but apparently my wife has. <laughs> she just she shows up on like what every Disney special now I believe, like when they have a parade in the park or something. So Megan Trainer's always there. They've, they've got her tuned in just right. The, the programming. Yes, yes, yes. She's she's on their frequency, like literally. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, the, be a man. That that was the song, and then I was thinking of in the navy. Also, because I watched the love boat last week, where that guest star, the village people, and it seems that they won't let them on the boat till they perform a song, which feels wrong somehow. <laughs> Everyone well, else just to gets prove, to walk on the boat. They have to prove how manly they are before they can get onto the love boat. Really, they do. That was my suggestion, my friend, uh, last week. That he make a bunch of like MIDI tracks of like '80s male sung power ballads, and then he tries to like sing them all manlier than the 80s versions <laughs> which wouldn't be that hard although if, if you have to wear the tight pants it's probably even harder no you gotta do caribbean queen and you have to man it more than billy ocean does <laughs> <laughs> you have to try your hardest to do that i don't know it's probably a good thing to do at karaoke at least <laughs> that's the japanese in you coming out again Mm. <laughs> when everyone loves karaoke i remember before i ever came to japan i won a t-shirt at a karaoke bar once for doing papua's rolling stone and trying to sing all five temptation parts at the same time i think it's it's kind of like soccer though like some people enjoy it in this country but it just doesn't take off the same way it does in other countries well also it's a very different here where everyone goes into like a private box it's not like a bar where you're singing mm. in front of a bunch of uh half strangers and strangers you know you're singing. that is the karaoke experience in america for sure it's like oh yeah 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 it's you in front of a huge room of strangers that are probably drunk hopefully not belligerent i think i mentioned in our aladdin episode my permanent image of a whole new world yeah which is um two drunk salary men singing it to each other because none of the women around were willing to duet with them <laughs> <laughs> And singing it as hard as they could, you know, but neither of them could sing that well. And they were drunk. So that that's, for me, the ultimate. That's my baseline version of A Whole New World now. <laughs> that's the only one that I ever wanted to hear. And unfortunately, I don't get to hear that one. No, and I only have my memory log, you know. It's not like we were recording it or anything. So too bad. But um, once, once you get the Neuralink installed, I'll download it. Do we record everything completely in our memories? That's an interesting uh, psychological thought, right? Like, could I return or, or, to that or moment even better one? Are you it? just are you just remembering your memories? Like after right, the first right. time you remember something, every time after that you're just remembering the previous time you remembered it, like a big Xerox machine. Exactly. So you can you know you do a mental exercise, put yourself in your childhood home. It probably looks not quite like it did at all. You know. 
Maybe that's nonsense. Cables. I had at least three or four helicopter pads uh, and the, the <laughs> laser room. And a, a You're not slide take that, that away from me. Went all the way from space into my bedroom. <laughs> uh, I get. So your main note today was basically having the Ballad of Mulan, right? Uh, the Ballad of Mulan, and then it. I mean, she does go through the traditional hero's journey. So, like for example, she gets the initial calling. And then uh, is kind of struggling with that, but is essentially go. She kind of has to. It's the whole movie. Like, like there can't be too much of a debate over that. She gets the guardian animal um, and sort of this this guidance from the the wise old man archetype. There's the moment of no return when she actually joins the army, and then um, there's also a really interesting development here where if you look at the training sequence they train through all of the, the the core elements right they have wood they have one where they're using like um ironworks they have one where there's uh fire being used they have one with water where they're like splashing water around so they go through all these different elements and then the big crescendo at one point is is this big avalanche scene and you could kind of construe that as showing that she was learning how to to work with each of those elements individually, which I think is sort of a very Eastern sort of philosophy. And then the culmination of all that is that even though in the movie it looks like she inadvertently does it, she kind of has they they kind of have control over that avalanche, and that kind of symbolizes her mastering nature and therefore mastering all those initial elements that they had been training before. So I thought that was a, a really cool thread and a good way to kind of wrap that up because the the avalanche essentially is what wins everything for them. The avalanche is very cinematic and cool. The training sequence I actually found a little lackluster probably because I've spent way too much time on the Wu-Tang collection on YouTube. So yeah. I just w watched too many like badass hong kong training yeah. sequences oh, yeah man <laughs> a, a disney a disney song and and just like la 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 here's the water i'm like no 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 this isn't this isn't how it works it's, you know i've like, seen drunken master you need to do this a, a quite a few more times <laughs> right there's like there's always like you know the scene where they're like doing weird things with rice or whatever which they kind of allude to in that sequence like you said but it's not like the you know like um chess boxing or something where they're just doing insane acrobatics which you could do in animation but i guess it wouldn't be as impressive an animation well, because i think they i really do believe that the disney one they're trying to show those elements um which is a different end goal than showing that really badass wu-tang i i think the the closest version of that would be uh kill bill right kill bill did a great job of kind of replicating some of that like hardcore wu-tang style and I and I know it's not originally called Wu Tang. They bought that after the fact and then put their name on it. But they've earned that, so I'll call it Wu Tang. Although I'm saying you're wondering if it's probably like this. If you are going to appropriate something, then try and make it when it's not your culture. China's not a bad choice because, as far as I can tell, they have not really done much animation. <laughs> I'm just looking at a page here. It's like. Chinese animation on Weekend, it's pretty short. I mean, there is some, but yeah, it doesn't have can you think of anything from China animated that you've like latched so, onto? Because Hong pirate Kong... everything isn't that where all the good pirated stuff comes from? Like, isn't that China's thing? Is that they 
they find everyone else's formula or or source material and then just churn that back out. Like they've got the <laughs> the Chinese Disney worlds are always the best ones when you see like the knockoff versions. Oh yeah, that's great. We had we did have one or two of those in Japan as well. We used to have a Nara Dreamland, but that that closed. Let's see, uh, Monkey King. Okay, there there's a major Chinese animation character. Cyber Weapon Z, which looks like an anime. I mean, it just happens to be Chinese, I guess. But what about Kung, Kung Fu Panda? Kind of counts. I mean, I know it's that's, not that's DreamWorks, Chinese though, right? made, but it's a it's a Chinese thing, no? Or is that well? That's Japanese? what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, no, it is Chinese. I'm saying like American studios can kind of get away with appropriating Chinese culture for animation because it looks like the Chinese really haven't done much of it themselves. What do they know that we don't? I don't know. Well, Hong Kong is just like, I mean, their bread and butter was insane stunts and design, right? So there, there are Hong Kong films that look like animated movies, but they're live action, you know? <laughs> there was a, a movie that I saw recently. It was it was called Meg um, or Meg 2. How, do you know anything about this? The Meg with Jason. So, so yeah, Jason so, so the Meg is the first one, and then the, I the saw Meg the first two one. Was a, um, so I've, I saw Meg two, I think maybe before I saw Meg one, but that, in my opinion, is like the future of China and America working together. Like the like the movie has all the budget, but it like there's no chemistry. Like the the story is there but you don't care about it the whole time. Like there's a shark there, but you don't care about it. Like everything is done in such a great way, but nothing uh, develops any sort of relation to you. It's, it's almost like going to like a Chinese buffet, but like nothing has any flavor or it just has enough flavor that you can tell the pieces apart, but it doesn't like, you know, punch you in the mouth with anything. It's kind of how the Meg 2 comes out, but I also feel that that's sort of this weird future because the Meg 2 was sort of this combination of like American writing and American stars and American style action, but then like Chinese funding and pro Chinese um, sort of propaganda, like weaved all throughout it. And I'm sure that they probably pay more than, I don't know, like Postmates does to get into movies. So we might see a lot more of that. So there might be a lot more Chinese American collaboration, uh, especially when it comes to like animation. Uh, since since we mentioned Jason Statham movie, I'll just have to say uh, Crank 2, Crank High Voltage has my my favorite tagline ever, movie poster tagline. Are, are you familiar with this? I mean, I've seen Crank 2, but it was like 15 years ago. Just the tagline of the movie is, um, he was dead, but he got better. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the best taglines <laughs> Ever. It sounds like something out of like a Kentucky Fried movie skit. Yeah, yeah, really. So, <laughs> but because uh, yeah, it was Iron Man three. I remember uh, there's a doctor that fixes Tony Stark and fixes his heart or whatever, which was a very prominent Chinese actor, which had added scenes in the Chinese version of Iron Man three where they had just like hardcore tried to tie it together, you know, uh, into the Chinese market. Like in a very ham-fisted way, so well, there's, there's been a few others too. Like, move. Um, what was it like? I'm probably gonna misquote this one, but there was a recent Disney movie that 
they flew like they show like them flying over an ocean and where it should have been taiwan like they just don't label it and there's but there's been like a, and there's a few others that uh delineate like different parts of the sea to different areas but in the big budget movies that they want to sell in china they fly over and it's just like this is all china like just china owns everything yeah i was actually looking at google maps um yesterday and i didn't realize there's a Taiwanese island like just like two kilometers off of mainland island uh china which was pretty wild i was looking at because there was um some issue with their tour boats being hassled by the mainland china coast guard or whatever but uh i didn't know that taiwan was actually had land territory that close to actual mainland china so and i was looking up and one of the more recent versions of this one was the barbie movie <laughs> there's a scene in the barbie movie where it shows her flying from like barbie land into like like the normal reality right and when they do that they zoom out far enough to show that nine dashed line which is essentially um you know talking about the the south china sea which is kind of ignoring like a whole other aspect but that's that's this thing that i think you can kind of see that this is where we're courting china whenever we throw one of those in there and we do that nine dash line it's it's saying like hey china please air this please care about it yeah because you know fighting over tiny uninhabited islands is like a a major activity of the chinese korean and japanese governments they have their own names for them so um maybe china should get those islands i can only remember the, the chinese name for them at the moment which is daido i don't remember what the japanese name is hmm. when it, when people remember the the name i guess that's that's who gets the island in the end <laughs> <laughs> wasn't space jam didn't space jam have some kowtowing towards china you did the new one you mean or the first one no the new one not the <laughs> yeah the new one or maybe that's that's just lebron james in general yeah, I mean, I, to be perfectly honest, I haven't seen either Space Jam, so I don't know. The other big one was John Cena, right? Isn't John Cena, like, speak fluent uh, Mandarin at this point? Does he? Okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think it's John Cena that I'm thinking about. I mean, if you're an actor, that that's certainly something to get a little leg up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, not yeah, not so not only does he speak nearly fluent Mandarin at this point, but I think he has publicly apologized to China on Chinese national television for acknowledging Taiwan at some point. It's 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 interesting. Cause he cause he's also supposed to be the foot in the door to get wrestling big in China. So China. So that's kind of like his role is to be the liaison between professional American western wrestling and just the whole country of china almost like dennis rodman representing basketball for north korea just a different <laughs> scale i'm having a look through my notes I, I think i pretty much said what i wanted to say oh oh when they're beautifying milan at the beginning it just made me think of um in japan that traditional geishas actually have black teeth which i don't know if that's common knowledge I white didn't. Face. I never heard that before. That's wild. Yeah, they put like charcoal on their teeth, so it's white face, white pale face, black teeth is the traditional. A, a lot of them don't do it now because it is an off-putting, you know, look to modern people. But if you really want to do it old school, there you do it that way. So that's probably... weird. I, I honestly, now I'm visioning like a horror movie 
<laughs> like yeah, killer yeah. geishas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds great. Mm. What? So, what's up after Milan? Oh, you mean our next movie? Yeah. What comes after Milan? Oh, geez. Uh, it's Toy Story Two. I think it's Bugs Life. I think we have a Bugs Life next. Okay, not to be confused with Ants with a Z, which I Correct. think was like a was that a rival movie to this? Did that come out after? Yeah, yeah, that's Katzenberg having a piss at Disney. <laughs> I re I remember Ants actually being superior of the two. It's funnier. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's got Woody Allen, which in 1998 people could still be fine with Woody Allen voicing a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let him watch your kids he's fine he's got all kinds of kids yeah yeah he, he, he's around kids a lot <laughs> but, how bad could he be but yeah yeah that was very specifically cats and Birdman. oh you're gonna do that i'm gonna do something like that too because <laughs> sometimes you got movies that are kind of similar just seem to come out at the same time the whole uh deep impact armageddon thing you know but in this case, yeah, I think well, it actually was um, asylum, uh, asylum films. I don't know if you ever, if you've ever paid attention to some of the opening credits, but a large majority, for example, when like uh, snakes on a plane came out, like snakes on a train will come out or like when right. transformers comes out, a movie called transmorphers will come out and they'll look, they'll look so damn close to the movie that you want. So if you're like, you know, it's late and you're drunk and you're just clicking around on Netflix. You might end up watching a movie and not realize when everyone else is talking about that new Transformers movie. And you're like, yeah, I don't know if I liked it that much. And you're mentioning scenes that didn't happen. It's probably because <laughs> you saw an asylum version of it. You saw the mockbuster. Yeah. That, or grandma buys it. Cause she doesn't understand the difference. There's some good, there's some good ones because they also will do that with, like sleeper hits like there's movies that aren't big blockbusters but they're still like you know mid-range movies um like there was one that was called like tunnel 13 i'm making that name up but it was something like that and asylum came out with one that was like like tunnel 14 or something and i think that i saw both and then the asylum one was as good so they're they're no, you know don't always ignore them no i told you i was doing the dragon wars d war last week and we were having this mockbuster conversation the name transmorphers did come up because I was kind of putting out like maybe one of the problems with that particular film is everything about its marketing makes it look like a mockbuster, but it's it really isn't. It's just a, a you know it was a South Korean fantasy adventure film that was a little derpy. I mean, it was not the best movie ever, but it was we we all thought it was watchable. So <laughs> we didn't know yeah, why it I was on the bad the, list. The criteria changes over time, especially like. Again, after having watched every single feature-length Disney animation from the 1930s up until the 90s, right? We've we've seen the last 60 years worth of animation chronologically, like meticulously watched it and took notes and everything. Like I watch Disney movies completely different now than when I started. Yeah. And there's even facets we're not looking at, like the weird world of about this time period when you know you start getting all the direct to video sequels the return of jafar which i think jafar returns for the last five minutes of the movie you know and they spent <laughs> 10 bucks on animating it um and homer simpson is the genie now uh, 
Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of direct-to-videos. Um, so, well, are we? We're skipping direct-to-videos, aren't we? I, I'm I'm skipping those. There's a few that make it. Jungle Book Two was going to be direct-to-video, but got a theatrical release, so that's on our list. Uh, Return to Neverland was going to be direct-to-video, and they decided to go ahead and put that in the theater, so it's on our list. And lucky for us. Let's see. Oh, Lilo and Stitch, which that was the uh, the good call, I think. That, that's really like, well, yeah, this needs to be in the theater. So, which... the, oh, the original Lilo Stitch was going to be straight. To oh, they, video? yeah, the original Lilo and Stitch, I believe, was actually straight to video, and they realized this is good. Don't do that. Isn't that wild? How wrong they they seem to be consistently on what they think are going to be the A, B, and C movies. It's it's almost like they could be just throwing darts at a board for some of these. Well, in that one at least they had, you know, made the figured it out before it was too late. So yeah, um, I think I think Toy Story two and three at po- different points in time are going to be direct to video. And uh, wow, that blows my mind because those were both pretty big blockbusters, weren't they? <clears throat> yeah, well, two was going to be direct to video, and then they're just like, maybe you know, this this franchise is taken off. Let's go theatrical. Three, um, when uh, it was. Maybe right before Laster became head of like uh, creative whatever at Disney, uh, they were going to make a bunch of Pixar sequels, but made by a B studio, not made by Pixar. So that was the original Toy Story three with a completely different story than what we got. So, hmm. uh, but those were all canceled. So I, I think the last um, of those direct-to-video things that came out was whatever Little Mermaid came out in two thousand eight. Maybe it's like the Little Mermaid three. I, I don't remember. So. I mean, that's the thing. People don't remember these movies. You don't remember them while you're watching them for the most part. Although I've been told Cinderella 3 is so bonkers that it's actually kind of worth it. <laughs> I ha- I I can't remember exactly which ones that I've seen, but I've I don't know if it was a Disney one, but there was like a Titanic movie that is an absolute fever dream. Well, like I said, I've kind of seen Hunchback 2 in the Beauty and the Beast Christmas just because it's, you know, in the at the school I work at, those are sometimes playing on the TV. So have I ever sat down and watched them? No, but I see them a lot. There's a um, really old episode of JonTron where he watches a whole bunch of Disney bootlegs, which is uh, worth checking out. <laughs> have I mentioned uh, Japanese Tom and Jerry before? Uh, not Disney, but... Uh, I think you have, but, re- but remind me. Just um, they've dubbed voices over a lot of it. Not that they're having conversations. Just now, when Tom is chasing Jerry, he'll be like in Japanese, like "I'll kill you," ah! and they they talk. It's weird. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the idea being that they think kids won't pay attention if nobody's talking. So, do they do that for Itchy and Scratchy too? Uh, Simpsons aren't that popular in Japan. So, <laughs> really, yeah. But uh, Tom they'll, and they'll, Jerry are. Tom and Jerry very popular in Japan. Yeah. I mean, they're on T-shirts. You'll see, yeah, yeah. Tom and Jerry are all over the place, hmm. but um, not not so much The Simpsons. Like people recognize Bart Bart Simpson, but they'll be like, "Oh, that's just some pop culture image." They they don't know the show. What about Sonic the Hedgehog? It's Sega. <laughs> so everyone knows Sonic then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Japanese creation, right? <laughs> you know, so yeah, obviously- I, I know, but but like I don't know if if it takes off in uh japan as well or if it's just like things that they you know like like a booger man like i'm sure booger man didn't take off in japan the same way it didn't right america well then there's stuff here that's just massively big that's unknown in america a uh, drymon for example would be the 
Japanese Mickey Mouse, I'd say. He's a robot cat from the future that doesn't have ears. <laughs> so he's got you're, a pocket that he it. I get it. gadgets out of. But yeah, no, I mean, he's like Mickey Mouse popularity here. And uh, all the kids love Ampamon, who is a superhero 10-year-old boy whose head is made out of a red bean bun. And sometimes he'll feed his head to people. <laughs> it's in the it's Guinness got like Book Adventure of... Time vibes. Yeah, it's got it's in the Guinness Book of Records for having like the most characters in a franchise because it's been around for sixty years and has like thousands of characters now. Um, there, there's a thing that Pokemon is slow to add new new series because they feel like it'll be bad if they overtake Ampamon. <laughs> it's like kick. It's like you know. It's like kicking Grover in the face or something. Are they still making new characters for it or did it? Did oh it yeah. Stop? I yeah, mean the, okay. the original manga artist he's dead he's not but I mean they there's a theatrical movie every year there's always let's go Ampamon's on TV but it's so everyone in Japan knows Ampamon but not in America so hmm. so kind of like that like you know here they they all know the Simpsons um I I keep on going on how I'm a massive Trekkie but Japanese like almost nobody knows what that is so Star well, Wars yeah, they like the prequels. Is there a Star Trek equivalent in Japan? Uh, space Battleship Yamato, maybe? There's not like, I don't think there's like a ship sci-fi TV show or anything in Japan. They don't now. have space communism in Japan? No, they don't have so much space communism. Uh, do you know Space Battleship Yamato? No, What if that's not space communism, what is it? fascism it's not it's it's um apocalyptic uh it, it aired mm. in the states as star blazers if you've ever heard of star blazers that's it um but they took out all the killing and weird sex jokes on the american version so it's less fun but it's yeah the world is burnt out and like the last of the japanese are like living underground and the lands a desert and they send off the space battleship yamato to try and get an alien technology to save the world or something been a little while since I watched it. Very good anime, though. I do recommend it. Uh, late 70s. Oh, this is an anime. Yeah, yeah, it's an anime. So, But they've also made a live-action movie, which is why that came to mind when you when you mentioned it. The live-action movie is not very good, though. So, oops. Yeah, we've, we've got that on lock, I think. Live-action movies. Hollywood's got that. Actually, I went to a museum. Of, I mentioned Drymon, which I wasn't selling you on, but a few years ago, I went to a, a museum display of the artist's work and it kept it just being like, like drymon felix yeah it's but it's like drymon sci sci-fi you know uh and dry the, the main thing is drymon is he lives with a a dumb 10 year old japanese boy you know kind of butters a butters kind of boy right <laughs> from south park and then uh and his group of friends and bullies and stuff that that's so it's mostly set around neighborhoods and, and things like that but it's called a sci-fi because drymon has a door that opens its place to other place anywhere he's got an anywhere door and again he can pull sci-fi gadgets out of his pocket so japanese like okay that's sci-fi then which is kind of weird <laughs> okay it sounds like felix felix the cat with his his uh magical bag yeah yeah but they tie it enough but they tie it close enough that uh i saw a planetarium show which was all drymon themed so hmm. big thing here uh, weird, I think it, in Thailand and Italy too, I think they're in the Drymon. Th those are just countries where they successfully exported the show or something. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird where certain media properties, you know, get hold. There was a whole, uh, waiting for Sugar Man documentary a while back where the, the singer 
had put out two albums in the seventies and languished in obscurity. Meanwhile, he becomes a superstar in South Africa and doesn't know it. Not a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I know the name Rodriguez. What's gone. I can't remember his name now. So, oh, well, <laughs> sugar man. Oh yeah. Sugar man. There we go. Good enough. <laughs> I guess we'll wrap up today. Then what's going on in your world? Uh, I just released a whole series of action figures slash toy play sets. They're basically modular brick toys. You can assume what that might mean. Uh, but I've got a Super Predator play set. I've got a Stanley Kubrick fake moon landing play set. Uh, I've got a whole, I've got a Bohemian Grove cremation of care play set. It even like lights up and everything. So those are all available now on paranoidamerican.com. They're all hand custom made hand numbered some of them i probably won't make more than like five or ten uh and at most i might make like 50 of some i've got one called the nephilim baby portals play set which is actually doing really well i might actually have to make a few more of those ones because they've kind of been flying off the shelf but yeah that's that's what's new in my world nephilim portal baby play set have you ever heard those four words together before I have now. No, I was just uh, speaking words together when you started off and said super predator. I was like, yay. I was like, oh, wait, he doesn't mean that predator. <laughs> no, this is the Clinton super predator. <laughs> no, I, I saw you. Uh, I saw the picture. Actually, I did see that yeah. one. But uh, yeah, no, I just first I, I oh, because I, I was listening to a podcast about the movie Predator like yesterday. So <laughs> it's, predator, it's not oh, that no, one. He, it's a much scarier one. It's way right, scarier yes, it's than the movie Predator. Run. Yes, this more, one will more, take your face off and and you know yeah not drink your not glow yeah. stick blood anymore, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which apparently the blood in Predator uh, was uh, diluted glow stick fluid, so they probably gave people cancer making that movie. It was worth it. It looked cool. It looked cool. It yes, was worth it. it. Uh, as for me, I do a lot of podcasting. You can check it out on Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius, where I talk about the Twilight Zone on Time Enough Podcast. Space 1999 on Podcast 1999. And really, what are supposed to be really good movies and what are supposed to be really bad movies on films and filth. Uh, just as a report card, Once Upon a Time in America on the good list, we all super hated it. Dragon Wars D-War, pretty good movie. It was on the bad list. I don't know. So I'll, I'll plug Dragon Wars D-War today, I guess. Yeah. I relate to that. I mean, I, I often can't really take any of those ratings seriously uh if if i'm on the edge i might look at it and if it's got like a two or like a four or something then it, it might sway me a little bit but man there are That's so what we're many looking movies at. <laughs> that i really really like a lot and then i'll go and look up the scores and they'll be you know twos and fours uh there's um, one called land of the blind that's got donald sutherland in it i think it is an incredible movie but it's just it's got like a zero on all the sites and I just have bad taste, but I've learned that now. Well, there's uh, some. I'm looking at the the list of our movies here, and uh, like Speed Two would have been nice if Keanu came back. Otherwise, it was a pretty good movie. They drove a boat into a city, you know. <laughs> I've seen an incredible occult breakdown on on the movie Speed before. This is Speed Two, which might not have as much of one. Yeah, but, uh, I don't think they it does. do drive a cruise ship into a town, so that's cool. What else did we love? The hunt, uh, no, the love guru was terrible, so that was not good. 
Um, the Hunt is a good movie. I recommend that with Mads Mikkelsen. That was on the good list, but I just didn't know it before because I don't know Danish film. We had fun watching Piranha 3DD. Bucky That's Larson. That's a great movie. You, and you know yeah, what? The Piranha 3DD is it's self-aware, but it's also inherently good because they've got practical effects, man. Practical effects automatically add bonus points. Yeah, sure. Uh, Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, we did hate that movie. That was a bad movie. And um, I, 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 I did enjoy watching it, but we did give ourselves brain damage watching Mac and me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that, yeah, that one's a, a tough watch. <laughs> the porno aliens. Yeah, I think that's what we decided should be renamed the porno aliens. <laughs> Mac and me. Isn't that where, where uh, Paul Rudd comes from? Mac and me? Oh no, Paul Rudd uses that as a reference a lot. He he has a running joke about it, but he is not in it himself. Oh, he's not. I thought he was like one of the kids in the on the bike or I, something. I think he might joke about that. He does have a running bit about it, so he is associated with the movie. <laughs> I don't think he's actually in the movie. I think it's just it's like it'd be even funnier if he's not actually in it. I thought he had like a small cameo. I mean, I'll, I'll I can search that in like two seconds here but i'm pretty oh, sure yeah, he's paul not rudd in it back in me i can't remember it but it's like anytime he went on a talk show for the longest time they would pull up yes. this clip of mac and me yes yes he'd say it's him that that is not him it's not him. <laughs> okay it's awesome that makes yeah. it funnier he's not in it at all um <laughs> critical response it's in the wiki though in popular culture the film is a part of a running gag by actor paul rudd when appearing as a guest on uh conan o'brien various shows he perform a bait and switch by routinely showing the same clip from it where eric cruz <laughs> loses control of his wheelchair and falls down a hill into a lake instead of showing clips from the actual films he was supposed to be promoting so that's a boss move that that's good <laughs> i like i like paul rudd i know a lot of people he gets hate but this 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 endears him to me so you know if you want to watch a good movie you can watch mulan but hey I'm recommending Mac and me and Dragon Wars D War today. Guided by night's vision, a vision of something great has been crossed the desert to where the unknown waits. Frying pan of Turpan's fire, passage through the iron gate, a funeral procession, eternity won't wait. Insight into the decline, the relics I hold in hand. The monastery's deserted, shadow Gandhara's land. This goes beyond what I've heard, and is more than what was said. To be being or not to be being. Realization arises as a lotus, transformed in what is called head. Go on to the deer park, under the shade of mangoes, dreamt of my arrival, on my knees and elbows. Taste fruit of holy thought, nectars of the Dharmic seas. No more doctrine gets wrought from liberation seeds. This goes beyond what I've heard, and is more than what was said. To be being or not to be being. Realization arises as a lotus, transformed in what is called the head. Through myriad kingdoms, to then penetrate the cave, 
with all the greatest gifts to the needy we gave. Bid farewell and return. Turn down all the high positions. A pagoda leans west into all fruition. This goes beyond what I've heard and is more than what was said. To be being or not to be being, realization arises as a lotus, transformed in what is called the head.